Hi, and welcome to Living Unleashed. I'm your host, Alex Runneman. This is a production growing out of my passion for identifying, questioning, and addressing the many challenges I face as an entrepreneur, father, and as a resident of my small Appalachian hometown. From community revitalization to work and business to health and everything in between, join me as we discuss the challenges, but most importantly, search for solutions that may assist you in your quest to unleash yourself and your community. Hello, Taylor County. I'm Alex Renneman with Unleashed Tiger, and I'm here with Charlie Marshall running for City Council. Charlie, thanks for coming on the program. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Start right off with saying, what is a City Council member? The City Council member basically is the business manager or one of six business managers for the city. Uh, I think that it would help, I think it helps a lot to have some business experience where you have projected revenues in your past, where you have uh, developed budgets, uh, operated a, a company according to budgets, and, a, a, and with a year-long game plan. I've done all those things. I've been a business manager my whole, whole career of chemical production facilities in the Canal Valley. Left here in 72, and you know, when I left, Grafton was really in a downward spiral. We had lost the Hazel Atlas Glass Company, the railroad was cutting back, there were few passenger trains or crews coming through, and there just wasn't much manufacturing, and, and the jobs were drying up, and there was a pessimistic sense with, um, with people just generally. And I, I mean, my parents lived here, so I maintained a real close contact, and I was back four to six times a year, almost always came back for Memorial Day, and it would come back for Labor Day, Christmas, you know, all the holidays, bring my kids and my family back. Um, and over the years, I was surprised and I was really encouraged as the years went by, that sort of pessimistic desperation changed over into a community spirit that was really inspiring. Uh, people very generous with their time and their money and uh, my parents worked with the uh, Mother's Day Shrine with it, and then, you know, Larry Richmond's always been involved with it. And I, I thought what he did and how he developed that and restored it was great. And um, after, you know, after 35 years in the Canal Valley, I ended up being home one time, and my parents were talking about how it was hard for them to get around. They were both in their 90s. Uh, my dad didn't like driving anymore. Uh, my sister was still working at the time. And I was, I was just retired because the company I was working for got bought out and I'd been bought and sold so many times in my career that I just didn't want to go through it again. So um, I, I came back and my dad mentioned while I was here, he said, boy, it'd be nice if you were back here permanently. And I said, well, Give me a couple of weeks and I will be. <laughs> so I came back and really they, as they aged, they wanted to stay in their own home and live there. And <clears throat> no one could have enjoyed that time more than me. Uh, so I did that for like eight years until they both passed. And then I started to get more interested in what was going on in the town. I'd been a little bit in, involved on the, with the Democratic Executive Committee and the more I got involved, the more neat things I saw were happening. Unleashed Haggard, uh, the uh, Brian Smith's 
tubing and adventure club, uh, all aboard Grafton. They were redoing the Manus Theater. I got involved a little bit with the Taylor County Arts Council, and all of a sudden, I was back to feeling like I did years ago, really involved in a community the way I wanted to be. So when the when the opportunity came up, and I found out that this at large, when Brenda was no longer going to run, um, I thought, well, I'll do that. And I thought, probably no one will be interested. And I, when I went, I went in to, to talk to Larry, he says, you're here to file for the at-large seat. I said, yeah. And he says, well, there's three others also <laughs> running. <laughs> so I, I never planned on really a campaign. But uh, here I am. I think I've got something to offer. I've had a lot of business or experience. I, um, you know, I, I know how to run things. I know how to run them successfully. I know, I know that you can't say yes to every request every time one's made. You have to weigh and prioritize things and live within your budget. Uh, but I think there's a lot of really nice things going on, lots of development going on. I think we have some treasures here that are that still need to be uh, explored and developed. Personally, I think that the river from City Park to Camp Tolls is a hidden treasure. Um, I've always been a fisherman, and since I've come back, I've become involved in kayaking and canoeing. I've always camped out and hunted, but uh, since I've become familiar with the river. It's one of the it's one of the finest smallmouth bass fisheries anywhere in this state, probably in this in this half of the country. It you know people used to talk about going to uh, Romney and going through the trough mm -hmm. through the South Branch. That river is just down to almost nothing because of pollution and stuff. Thank goodness we're taking really good care of the tiger, and uh, it's not unusual to. I, I never keep any of them. It's not unusual to catch 20, 30 fish a day yeah. just between here and and where Great House was. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, yeah, actually, I went through the trough this past year and enjoyed it, but I, I also enjoy going right through Tigard here. It's fantastic. Did you I, I did you catch any fish? Yeah, yeah. Did you? Some, not, that, not, uh, not as much as we want. You know, it's never yeah. that. But um, share with us a role. You mentioned something about your business experience. Share with us a role or a challenge or an experience or something that you feel has at least in part uh, prepared you to be a successful city uh, council member? Okay. Um, well, for one thing, my, my whole approach to management has always been that the people doing the work, people living in the city, uh, know more about what's needed and how to do it than a manager ever will. And uh, I, I've looked at myself in business as more of a facilitator. I would... Uh, I would ask guys what the problems were, and then I'd ask them how to solve them. And it never failed me. Uh, the guys actually doing the work, the people living up and down the avenues and along the streets, they know what the needs are, and they know what their priorities are. And I think it's, I think it's imperative for the, for the city to try to address as many of those as is, fee, as is possible. Okay, makes sense. What have you done in the most recent past? You talk about some of the organizations and things. What have you done in the most recent past that uh, can, folks can point to and say, yeah, he's, there's some momentum, and this makes sense for him to come and be a city council member? 
Well, I haven't, I haven't done a lot here yet. Uh, currently, I'm working with uh, the health department and the community response team. And we've been doing this for the last two or three months, getting ready for this epidemic pandemic that's sure to hit. And we've gone through planning stages of how we would deal with it, how we would try to what's called flatten the curve. Uh, rather than to not do much and not caution people to keep distances and to maybe stay in and avoid crowds, trying to get the word out of the things that they really can do to maybe prevent the infection. And if they don't prevent it totally, they can at least spread out the number of cases so that it doesn't overwhelm the health facilities. But uh, those plans are ongoing. We're having a meeting tomorrow night. I've been I'm, in. I'm glad you mentioned that. I just want to say that's a question we bring up later, and we, we won't hit that now because you just covered it. But I do want to mention at time of recording, we haven't had any confirmed cases here yet. But by the time this airs, we don't know. And so I just want to make that, you know, some of those people are watching this at home and they're like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, as right. we're recording it, we currently don't have any reported. But again, um, time will tell on this. And it's probably a matter of, of uh, when, not if, in terms of that. I believe it is. I mean, um, I think that I think it was two and a half weeks ago there were three confirmed cases in northern Italy and now two and a half weeks later the entire country's quarantined and shut down and on lockdown but 60 million people this particular virus spreads in an exponential manner one person can infect three to five and that just continues to multiply to within a couple of weeks it can overwhelm a health system um, but I think the planning that we've done and the arrangements that have been made, and Sean Thorne will address this probably better than anyone, but uh, we've involved the county commission, the sheriff, local police, the health department, the hospital, Dr. Bender. Mike Manny Penny was initially, uh, he was crucial in getting the thing started and, and getting started early. And I think we've got a pretty good grip on it. If you're elected, what would, um, what, what's your strategy for having a successful term in office? How would you define you know, that success? I would define it as, as far as my campaign, and it, this depends on whether or not uh, all this personal contact that I'm used to uh, will be able to be done in this environment that we're looking at. But I intend to be the person that Basically, you can call anytime, you know, 8 in the morning till 10 at night. I've got my phone number and my email address on my, on my cards, and I encourage people to, to call and talk about the things that are important to them because those are the kind of things that I want to address. And I think if we can, if we can continue the path we've been on for the last four or five years that I've been here, and if we can do those things that people see as critical needs, finish the streetscape that's planned, hopefully finish the Manus Theater, uh, continue with the rehab of the, the railroad station. I've got so many fond memories of all of these places that I want to see all of those redone. Uh, I think there's a lot of positive signs. We're getting a new ACE hardware that's pretty well confirmed and uh, different people have asked on social media that I 
play with some. You know, like how can we keep these businesses and attract more? Well, this Ace Hardware is a perfect example. Um, we're going to have a new store that will carry most of what you need, and I'm sure they'll carry the other things if you just ask them. So instead of running to Fairmont or to Clarksburg or to Bridgeport or Morgantown to buy your hardware things, buy at home. And that's how you assure businesses stay in this area. I know, you know, Tony's store. I miss Tony's store because anytime I was doing a home repair at my house, the first one that I, that I had to do in mom and dad's old house was a breaker box that was ancient. It was like a, an old square D and a, and a 50 amp fuse had blown. So I went to different places. I called all around. Nobody had one. I thought, well, I'll go out and see if Tony's got it. Tony said, oh, sure. He goes down. He goes right down there and finds it to me. And any project that I worked on after that, I didn't travel somewhere else to buy the things to do it. I'd go to Tony for them. And uh, I think that's what we need to get back to. And I think if we do that and support the local businesses, but there are, there are so many other things. There are basic rules and laws of not just the municipality, not just the city, some of the county, most of, of them on a state basis, that really over the last eight years or so, the rules that have been put in place don't favor small businesses. Over and over what we see is a company that has a lot of employment potential, they come in and they meet with city officials, they meet with county officials, they meet with state officials. They negotiate all kinds of concessions that hurts the general society and for a few promised jobs. And we've done that over and over. We've restructured our tax laws, our severance taxes, all of the things that we have done really haven't caused West Virginia to boom like people have, like the, the politicians have said that, that this, this tax break, this tax cut, we've got to do this. This will preserve jobs or this will bring in more jobs. We haven't seen any results from those things. But there's a movement in West Virginia right now to reverse those things. If you if you really think about our state and the resources that we have, we are probably the richest we've ever been. We have Arch, Arch Coal, the Lear Mine, and the mines they are projecting to put in have their mining, the metallurgical coal, which is the highest priced coal there is. But this H coal that comes out of the Lear Mine and comes out of this particular seam is the finest coking coal in the world and it's desired everywhere. Um, we in, we're going to employ a lot of people with those mining operations but at the same time when that coal's gone it's completely gone so do we want just those jobs or do we want to maybe tweak some of these, these severance tax and taxing policies so that we build up a future for the state and for Taylor County where we enhance roads, enhance infrastructure, make things better 
while those resources are being, uh, are being harvested, the same goes for the oil and, the oil and gas and the shale drilling. There's a, an enormous amount of gas under this property, and if we, if we actually manage that properly and get the revenues from it that, that the state and the citizens deserve, we can build a future that then revamps taxing structures for small businesses, for entrepreneurs, and build a, a very diverse economy where instead of one business that dominates everything, you've got 50 small businesses in downtown Grafton. And I guess you know she covered a lot there, and some of the things we're going to we're going to touch into later as well. But one of the things, just to go back to, is in terms of your strategy and your success. What is it you're going to ask of the people of Grafton to help you to be able to be successful? Bring ideas. Okay. Bring in the ideas of what they need. You know, success is defined on in in a government job. I think success is defined on how much the people respond and appreciate what's being done and how, how you meet their needs. Um, so if, you know, I will ask them to call me. You know, if, if something's going wrong, if one of the city responsibilities is uh, not being met in your opinion, I mean, I, I'm not going to say that every time somebody calls, we're going to be able to solve all the problems, but I'd at least like to hear about it because that's how you spot trends or problems that sure. could develop in the something that's worse. Makes sense. What, what um, I know you mentioned some of them, so maybe just summarize what you think when I, when I would say, what are the, you know, we've got a lot of challenges for our area, but what are the opportunities? What are the opportunities that Grafton has? I think the, as we talked about, the river, I think the tourism for that river is, uh, that it brings in is a possibility. Uh, I believe the lake and the potential of the lake has never been totally explored, and there's some reasons for that. I mean, it's a flood control dam. The level is going to oscillate year-round. So it can't be a, quite as recreational as, say, Summersville Lake. But um, those type things. And I think, you know, as, this, as the group ages, I think uh, care for senior citizens is an opportunity for businesses in this area. What do you think some of our biggest challenges? The biggest challenges, I would say, is inadequate revenue and to, to, to be able to do everything you want. And some of those changes that may occur statewide and countywide or anything that can be done from a, a home rule standpoint with the city. And I'm not saying we should tax everybody a whole bunch. I'm saying that what we need to do is to look at the revenues we do have and to try to make those use those revenues to enhance things. Uh, our streets, you know, just beautification of the community. It's, it's a good place to live with a good school system. I think that if we continue to, to beautify the areas, to take down the ramshackled houses as, as the city's being able to do, uh, clean up the sidewalks, pave the streets, get rid of the potholes, uh, you know, actual beautification so that uh, people that drive through Grafton or who are here as tourists look at it and say, that's the kind of place I'd like to live. Yeah, that's great. 
we asked, I mentioned to you, I think, before the, that we got on camera, that we polled the citizens of, of Grafton. What questions do you have for the city council? And so we've got a few of them I'd like to go through. Um, with all the momentum in the city, uh, you mentioned some of the most recent some of the organizations and, and events that are happening across you know, various organizations, buildings, infrastructures, assets, whatnot. What do you feel the role is of the council in such efforts? Of the, well, I think that, uh, you know, they, they need to be able to contribute to the funding of and help with the management of the projects that they can afford. Uh, you know, a lot of people, I have a friend that tried to acquire both the hotel and the station uh, when, when the, there was a tax lien against them, but it, it, it didn't work out. But in the process of doing that, we looked at those buildings and, and looked at the inside of them. And a lot of people will, and I, I agree, both of those buildings need to be maintained or improved and utilized. But it's the expense for the hotel building is beyond most people's imagination. You know, we're talking 20 to $30 million to restore that building and make it useful and functional again. Can we really afford to do that? It's doubtful without a lot of good partners. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what leadership are you specifically willing to provide if, as a council member in some of these efforts? Well, I've, I've had a lot of experience uh, in running the businesses. So the fiscal management is probably my strongest suit. But the other is just working with the community and trying to get people to offer up good ideas and, and, and to, in a sense, maybe accept the things that can be done and those that, that are out of our reach right now. Um, the thing I don't want to see happen, though, back to the, to the hotel building is, you know, if it stands there too long, it becomes a liability. And then it becomes a great expense to someone just to take it down if it becomes unsafe. So there's a fine line that has to be walked with that and it all depends on available revenue and who you can who you can recruit as partners yeah. when we talk about challenges uh, the drug epidemic is a challenge here as in, in just about every community and certainly in Appalachia um, there are some communities in, our, in the state and in the region that have implemented drug house ordinances where the, the, the city works with landlords to um, make sure that repeat offenders aren't continually running a drug den or a drug house yeah. in the in the city. What's your opinion or your strategy? Do you think that's a good strategy for the city, or what, what, what would be your, your conversation? There is a good program with the Family Resource Group okay. on uh, Beach Street. I've attended a few of their meetings, and they work in a support mechanism for these people. And I think it's important when you look at the drug issue and how it has taken over West Virginia with the opioid crisis and just the general drug problem. If you look at parallels that occurred at the same time in an analysis, you see a, a loss of opportunity and families stressed to the max. Uh, two, both members of a family working several jobs and still not surviving. And what that, what that creates is an atmosphere that's just not good not as productive as it could be for children to grow up. And they end up with, I think the new terminology is they are, uh, they have childhood challenges that stay with them a lifetime. And those, 
those type issues are the ones that the drug use and the drug dependence is actually a symptom of. It's, it's, it's not the disease, it's the symptom of a more underlying disease. And I think in order to address that, the community has a role in that. And not always, you know, I know that the people that are uh, bringing the, the things in or providing the, the areas and need, to be, need to be identified and uh, either prosecuted or helped in some way, but the, the average drug user is one of the members of the community, and I think those people need to be dealt with professionally by psychologists and into group therapy like occurs at the Family Resource Center where they, uh, they have a place, that, a safe place they can go and a support group to help them work through the problems and understand that the solution they tried to their underlying problems is not really going to help them. You know, some of the challenges and opportunities that we have in our community are bigger than any one entity can handle on their own. And um, collaboration is, is really something that folks come out, they want to see from our, from our community and our leaders within the community. So I would ask you, what do you see as the greatest opportunity uh, for collaboration with, with the city, whether it be the county, the private organizations, the nonprofits, uh, businesses, uh, the state? What, what, what would you see as, as really the best opportunity for collaboration? I think with the county is imperative. And I think we do a fairly good job with that. Uh, on a statewide basis, um, I think what has happened with this uh, convention and, and visitors bureau is a perfect example of working as North Central West Virginia, that we can get a lot more done than anybody can as a single as a single entity. Those type of collaborations where you get uh, more bang for the buck, really really will benefit everyone. And the people that come into uh, an area like the Morgantown area for some kind of a convention or something where they have the facilities, the side trips can work as a, as a tour of a historic downtown craft. For sure, we say all the time those heritage tourists spend money and they spend money you know, better, if not better than, at least as much as any tourist group um, or, or demographic in that, yeah. in that area. Um, let me ask you a question about um, the, the changing economy. So. Our economy's obviously changed. You mentioned it. You, right off the bat, you talked about from the 70s on what's, what's happened in our area. And so through those years, there's been different strategies of what Grafton will become. And we see communities, at least to the north and the west of us, just growing you know, gangbusters for the most part. You look at Morgantown, obviously, these are different communities. But what would be your vision for what's, what's Grafton's path? What's our path to success? I think it's to feed off of, you know, we're not going to grow like an area, like a Morgantown area that has an influx of an additional 20-some thousand residents and the money that comes with that every year. But I think that the opportunities that we offer here, and you can see this development occurring right now as you just drive back, as you drive to Morgantown and back like for a doctor's appointment. You see houses being built everywhere along there. Well, those, those end up here. <coughs> so I think making the town more attractive as far as education goes, most most of the time when you talk to businesses that are coming into a community, I went through this in the Canal Valley, and they say, well, you know, it's all about what the tax structure is. It's very seldom what the tax structure is that, that really 
brings a business in, what they start to look at is what is the cultural environment? What is the education system like? What's the social environment of your area? Are my employees that I hire or ones that I bring in, are they going to be happy in this area? Are their kids going to grow up healthy in this area? Those are the kind of things that we need to emphasize here so that we get people from the FBI Center wanting to live here rather than in Bridgeport and Clarksburg, possibly, that want to live here even though they work in Morgantown. Yeah, makes sense. What are you willing to do um, as, as a city council to, to attract business here? You, you mentioned earlier some of that, you know, with ACE coming in and other things, or to help foster and, and help the businesses that are already here to flourish? You know, whenever I, uh, I had a friend, and, and we all know this guy, that uh, Brian, and he has had a lot of good ideas. And he's made some of them come to fruition, like the tubing and the, and the adventure club. But there was another opportunity just recently when the, he, had, he had promoted the water park at the lake. And, and whatnot. He, he got a lot of no's on that uh, from different people, but he was persistent on it. And eventually contacted enough people and made enough trips to, Wash to um, Charleston and met with um, the state park commissioner until the idea was sort of accepted. They thought, you know, we've got the beach area. We've closed it down because there was no attendance. Maybe we ought to give this a try. Well, I talked to him recently and they were going to go out on bid for uses of that area at the park okay. and take ideas, but they wanted actual bids. And, you know, if I'd have had three or $400,000 that I didn't need, I would have probably backed Brian on that one. So it looks, what it looks like is that available capital is one of the big problems. And one of the candidates for governor this year that I, uh, I know real well, has promoted the idea of a state bank where revenues are put into that bank and it's managed just like any other bank, but its entire purpose is to finance entrepreneurial ideas all over West Virginia. Those are the kind of things we have to do and make it easier and, and to have guys that have managed business, businesses successfully before work with these guys that have these ideas. Maybe they've got the greatest idea in the world, but they've never run a business. They've never had to work from a budget. They've never had to make sure that they can make payroll, pay, pay all their FICA wages and stuff, and make sure those payments are perfectly there and the revenue is there. So they, they need avail availability of a capital that capital to in, invest and buy their business that they can pay back, but they pay back at a lower rate, that, they, that there are forgis, forgiveness options, and that there are coaches in that, that group with the bank that go in, not as many of the commercial banks do, with paid consultants that will come in and tell you everything you didn't want to know about how you want to run your business. <laughs> I've been through that too many times. But... Guys that, not for a fee, not trying to sell a product, they come in and they give you their experience, what they've done in the past. I think those kind of collaborative efforts with the state need, need to be really researched and looked at. And I, I'm, I'm hoping that that comes to pass because 
if we had a West Virginia that instead of being dominated by a few gas comp drilling companies and a few coal mining companies and maybe a plastics company, and if other than that, and, and the Toyota plant in the Canal Valley, if, if we had hundreds of individual entrepreneurial businesses all over the state, then we wouldn't run from a, a boom to a bust economy over and over. When, when gas prices are great, everything's great, and there's lots of drilling, lots of fracking, lots of gas brought to the service, lots of pipelines being built. But in a situation like today, when we have OPEC warring with Russia and the price of oil dropping out, there's a lot of fear that the exploration in this country will come to a halt because you just can't make any money at 30 bucks a barrel. Sure. Yep. Yeah, I think so. So we're on the we're on the downslope here. We're on the back end of the questions. What you know, for what is it you know for which you're most grateful? I'm most grateful, and it's funny, and it goes right back to this town. When I got, first got back here, several of my friends that we all grew up on the upper end of Maple Avenue. We were home for a reunion. I think it was on Memorial Day. We came up to my house, and then we just took a walk around the neighborhood. And when we got done, I, I can't remember everybody was there, but it was basically about 10 or 11 guys from my high school class that we all grew up and played baseball every day. Uh, it wasn't like this today. We, did, we didn't have, uh, you know, we didn't have the social media and stuff. We'd get up at 7 o'clock, and we'd run out and knock on the other guy's bedroom window and say, get up, we're going to play baseball. But the, the thing that I look back on, and we talked about that day, was this was a great place to grow up. And almost, almost everyone, in fact, that whole group that day, all 11 of us, we all went on to do great things, some in the Washington, D.C. area, some in the hotel business, some in education, me and me and being frustrated, trying to get 250 employees to do the right thing all day, every day. But, uh, you know, it all started right here where we had a, a group of caring adults and uh, a city that fostered childhood development. And I think if we can bring that back, if we can bring that attitude and that atmosphere back by supporting everything we can as far as uh, activities for kids and programs for kids and cultural activities and the Arts Council, I think we've got a chance to recreate an attitude, not the same as that, but one that's as good as that. And then, then we have hundreds of kids wanting to come back here and raise their kids. Yeah, great. Well, as it is customary on this program, we offer the candidate the last word. What is it you'd like to tell the citizens of Graff? Well, I would like to serve on the city council. And the reason is evident from this interview. I think I have a good bit to offer in how to manage a city, how to look at priorities, uh, how to look at requests, talk to people, solicit the opinions of all the community. And like I said, I've, I've got campaign cards, little flash cards. They've got my email address on it. They have my phone number on it, and you can call me anytime. I'm, I'm always up at 7. Sometimes I'm at the gym. But from, from 8 until about 10 on my cell phone, 
you can call me. I'll discuss any issue that, uh, that comes, comes up, anything that you want to talk about. I'll take those issues to council even, even before I'm elected or if I'm not elected. Uh, I just want to see the, the city do well. And um, look for me knocking on your door because the only way that I really know how to run a campaign is to knock on doors and to greet people and ask you face to face how you think things are going and, and what you think we ought to do to make the city better. So be looking for me on your front porch. All right, Charlie Marshall, City Council, thanks for coming and good luck. <laughs> thanks, buddy.